I'm Mike Moore, and you all are listening to the Westfield Second Ward podcast. So, Mike, you're a new timer in the ward. You haven't lived here very long. How long have you lived here? A little over three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. That long. Wow. Yes. I remember when you guys moved in. So, so where'd you grow up? Grew up in Salt Lake City. Okay. On the east side. East High School? Two blocks from the grade school, from East High and also Roosevelt Junior High. Oh, wow. So I'm so an, you're old, in I'm an old Salt territory. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the people in that area were kind of hotsy-totsy, oh. and I was just sort of a commoner. <laughs> <laughs> just a commoner among great people. <laughs> Well, very good. They were East Leopards, right? You guys were East the Leopards. East High Leopards. There we go. All right. We we were, in our snobby ways, we would we had a chair that said, there's a team over here, there's a team over there, but the team over there ain't going nowhere. <laughs> we are the Leopards. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, can you share a couple of uh, memories from your childhood growing up? Sure. Uh, I lived on McClellan Street, which was across the street from Judge Memorial uh-huh. uh, School, and I the was Catholic school, right? Catholic school, and, right. and I was a very active boy in the neighborhood, and had lots of fun with play and a lot of fantasy because it was during World War II. Okay. I was born in 1939 when the war started, and so we would play a lot of war games and cowboy and Indian games. The TV wasn't out then. So we used our imaginations more, I think, than kids of this this generation. And I'd go over to Jed Memorial and we'd climb up on steep walls and it was constructed a lot different than a watch football games. One time the Judge Bulldog was, that was the mascot got hold of my pant leg and, and wouldn't let go. Oh. <laughs> so, so I had to How old were you? get some oh, probably about 10 or 11. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, so that that I remember. There's a lot of little fun <laughs> memories. We had a, a family down the street from a Stevie Wismore that uh, on our walk So no wait a minute. How did you get away from the bulldog? Oh. That the students came and finally they fought that dog for a long time, scared the daylights out of me. Yeah, I bet. And they're they'd they're strong. Finally, let go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and then I disappeared after. They're that. like all muscle. Yeah. I'm not a bulldog fan. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Other experiences, uh, a lot in the neighborhood. Um, I remember. Being somewhat of a rowdy kid with my next-door neighbor, Dick Johnson, he and I would sometimes get into some trouble. But we usually escaped getting in trouble because we were, we were smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, one instance is uh, on McClellan Street, where our house is on a very steep hill, there's always leakage from underground springs that got onto the sidewalk. And so there would be workmen that would come there about every year and clean it out and fix it. And these were, here I am again, about nine or ten years old, and uh, we're listening to their language. 
and we learned, Dick and I were playing together, and we learned every word that they, <laughs> every swear word that they were using. And they, we had a big dirt pile built up in the back of our home. And uh, Dick and I sat on top of that, and we yelled at the top of our lungs every swear word we heard. And Bruce Porter, another kid's mother, came out on the porch and was hearing now, Bruce us. Porter, wasn't he, he in was, 70? No, a that's guy. a different Bruce okay. Porter. <laughs> and the mother came out and uh, heard us. And she called our mothers. Yeah, I bet. And boy, did we get in trouble. Just like Ralphie with the Life Boy soap? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, very similar. So we got separated for about six months. Oh. And we would sneak to our picket fences that were between our two yards, and we would play mud pies through the fence. And we thought we were getting away with something. And then our parents saw that it was a little bit too strict. So maybe it was three or four months instead of six months. <laughs> so I had, I had a lot of fun in the neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, in the snowstorm of 1948, I remember it, it, the snow had piled up so high that we could climb on top of the snow mm -hmm. and get on top of the house. And oh we, were, we were act, acting out in our play the war with Germany. And I had an old broken down jack that I used as a machine gun. And I got it up on top of there and we'd shoot each other and fall over backwards into the snow off the top of the house. Oh, wow. Now that's a great memory. Yeah, wow. That's funny. I, wow. Well, very cool. So you grew up in the church, I guess, it sounds like? Well, my parents were baptized and uh, had been married in the temple, but they never attended church. And so I, uh, I had an older brother, and he never attended church. And uh, went. I remember going to primary a little bit, and just like in elementary school, I, I get into trouble all the time because I like to talk to the girls too much mm. and didn't focus very much on what they were talking about. I was baptized in the tabernacle font. The Salt Lake Tabernacle? The Salt Lake Tabernacle. Wow. And I remember the nice warm water, but I had no preparation for baptism. Okay. But I kind of picked it up osmosis through other people a little bit, going to primary here and there. And then when I turned 13, uh, a member of our bishopric came to visit and uh, he wanted to help me become a priesthood holder and go to scouting and well i thought well that might be fun and yeah. so i started going to church and then i started really developing once i got into the church activity okay so you became more active as a teenager it sounds like yeah I went across the street to judge memorial one time i was about 12 and uh went in their chapel on the corner of 11th East and 7th South and uh, saw a bunch of anti-Mormon literature. So I picked it up, oh. took it home. This is at and, the Catholic school? Yeah. Okay. And I was talking, it was talking about the falsity of the Mormon doctrine. And so I first looked at what they were teaching about God and it didn't make any sense. And so I started looking at the scriptures that the Latter-day Saints were expounding and I could I started feeling hey, this one really makes sense what are they talking about yeah. so I got acquainted with 
a lot of doctrine that way, just on my own. Oh, wow. So when Brother Hunsaker, the bishopric, came to visit me, I, I had some interest there. I didn't know what it was that was drawing me to it. I do know now, <clears throat> but it was, it was fun uh, learning and getting into scouting and scouting leadership positions and young men leadership positions. Mm-hmm. Then I took a genealogy class when I was in, in Sunday school. I start, started going regularly and uh, got interested in my history. So you've been interested since a teenager? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I took a trip to California on a Greyhound bus to be to visit. With, I was 15 with my grandmother and uh, with an uncle and my grandmother was daughter of Utah pioneers and we had some long visits about the church and she lived in Hollywood very sweet humble lady uh, widowed and she gave me pictures of family that goes way back and she she says I I just feel like you're a you're a godsend to our family. Wow, really? You know, that was a big responsibility. and So I kind of kept it. And I kept all those pictures and all the stuff she told me and started to develop uh, stories and books. And I've written a couple of books on ancestors. It's online. And, wow. And this one that I brought today is my own personal history. That isn't finished yet. <laughs> Probably Just so won't. you guys know, this is like a three-inch binder. <laughs> yes, I brought it just in case we needed to refer to it. But it's really a good thing to do, to just get an outline of what the things are in your life that matter uh-huh. and write about them. Well, very good. You know, there's not very many people. I'm usually one of the experts in family history. But when you ask me family history questions, I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. you got to go talk to Jana. Now, I, I'm not an expert in family history. I'm not. But Jana is a blessing. Jana's awesome. I've had other people in other wards where I've lived that were good in at good at it and they helped me write this book and so it's, well I don't know anybody I don't even think Jana has written a, a family history book so that's that's pretty impressive well I'm an old geezer now. yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta do it before you're gone well that's very interesting now it seems like the other day we were working in the yard and you told me that you had served a two and a half year mission am I yes. right that's correct. And to remind me where that was. It was in the Brazilian mission. Brazil, that's right. There we so you can speak with Brother Pedroza really well. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Brother Dominguez. Oh, okay. Well, very good. Well, tell us a little bit about how missionary work has played a role in your life. Well, it's been a major role in my life. Uh, my patriarchal blessing stated that I would be doing missionary work and the mission to Brazil was the most exciting thing in my life. I served, first of all, in Rio de Janeiro and uh, under the district leader. And our mission president, William Grant Bangeter, who later became a general authority, was just a huge positive influence on me. And so not the governor. Was that his brother or cousin? The or governor's brother. Okay. Grant, yeah. And uh, he... 
assigned me in uh, different places to work. I was his assistant the last six months of my mission. But I was able to um, do music things in the mission as well as proselyting. And at the time that I was there from 1959 to 62, President McKay, the prophet, had announced that every member can be a missionary. And so we spent a lot of time, uh, we had the first probably year of my mission was all knocking on door to door. But then when we started visiting members and we started uh, doing less tracting and more contacting and setting up classes called Aladi Disinvolvimento, which was a integration class for newly baptized people and we got that started and then we started going to visit the members and taught in groups uh, and Elder Kundik who served as the assistant before me um, and I developed uh, some what we call cartoses they were uh, posters showing the worldwide effect of the church in the 50s and early 60s and uh, so people could see that the, in Brazil uh, the church was something pretty pre- predominant and uh, we, we learned to commit people to baptism early. We had, had a lot of baptisms and uh, I was at one point averaging about 10 baptisms a month with my companion and it was just crazy busy and uh, the, the mission just grew and grew and grew. So, yeah, I, I had some great experiences in the mission. I, with my music interest, I uh, was asked to conduct a choir of children that sang for the NBC radio network, a Christmas program. And that brought about a lot of interest. And the NBC wrote it back to the church that they wanted us to do another one for Easter and with a larger choir. So we had a 62-voice choir that I formed and uh, we sang all over Brazil we did a little bit of traveling here and there and Mm. so music became a part of my life then do you play any instruments I play piano piano and but you're big into choir and some guitar but I played piano okay and I learned uh, directing but the the thing about the church in Brazil is that it just fit in to the culture so well. The people just welcome uh, the prophet, the, the whole idea of prophecy and revelation in the, in the latter days. And they were looking and they're hungry for some kind of structure that spiritually fits for them. Yeah, that was the, the bigger development of my testimony was to see how the growth of church could take place. I did go back to Brazil with Susan uh, about three years ago, and uh, I was the mental health advisor for the entire mission, and she was my companion, and we, we did a lot of work in Brazil again, and it changed so radically. Hmm. We only had maybe a few thousand members when I was there in the first mission, and this mission, it grew to uh, over three million people. Uh, members? Members. 
wow. huge, huge growth in the church. Temples building up. I can tell you stories forever about Brazil. <laughs> we also served a mission in Boston, Massachusetts, which was really, wow. really fun. That was a fun mission because yeah. we had weekends that we could go explore the the American history. Yeah, that yeah. Did you go see the USS Constitution? We did. I, I remember doing that when I lived yeah. back there. Can't go to Boston without seeing all that Old iron good sides. stuff. Old yeah. Ironsides. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've served in the in the uh, church history mission in Salt Lake. So this is four missions, am I counting right? Four for me, two for Susan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or three for... Well, one of them is a split between Brazil and... Uh, we had to come home from Brazil early because our youngest daughter had a preeclampsia um, birth of her baby and oh. uh, she needed her mother. So we finished our mission here in... Uh, in Salt Lake. We lived in Salt Lake in the the apartments that they they provided for us. We've we've lived in Brazil. I'm sorry. We lived in uh, Longmont, Colorado, for years and years, um, and we made hiatus from there to do two missions. And also once we went to New York. To, uh, back in 2004, went to New York and. Uh, Directed a mental health center there for two and a half, two years, two and a half years, and came back. So it's been a really blessed life with the church and with professional opportunities. Well, very good. That's cool. Wow. Well, what uh, family relationships have had the most impact on your life? <clears throat> well, I think uh, being married to Susan. She's a really good person, mm -hmm. and she's a positive example. She corrects me in things that I never thought I needed to be corrected in, or I'm realizing now that I need to be corrected. <laughs> and so she's, she's good for me. Every uh, wife does that, right? <laughs> she's very, very sweet and very talented, and uh, she's held a lot of leadership positions in the church, as have I, and we've been uh, in the community and our professions. And so coming here has been a, a big change for us to, to be Sunday school teachers for the last three years, which we've enjoyed, and of course the ward choir. And uh, so she's the biggest influence on me. And, then, of course, going back to the church, I, I had wonderful leaders. Uh, I started seminary when I was a sophomore in high school, and the church education system produces really good seminary teachers, and so I had those, and uh, then I, when I went to the University of Utah, I took uh, courses. My favorite teacher was, was Lowell Binion. Oh, really? And I, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I studied a lot there with the Institute. And then, of course, President Bangeter and just wonderful men. President McKay was just a great 
prophet. He yeah. looked like a prophet. He acted like a prophet. He was, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. So that's been the influence of my life in the church, just being with great people that you can feel the spirit. And then I've learned that when you're, when you're doing the things that you should be doing, your testimony grows. If you're not doing the things that you should be doing, you don't feel it. And you feel kind of darkness or a worldliness and, and you want to get away from doing that and study regularly and pray regularly and go to the temple regularly and do the stuff the prophet's telling us to do in these times of turmoil. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Well, tell us about your professional life. Okay. I started out uh, in music, teaching high school for a couple of years while oh. I was while I was in the graduate uh, school of social work at the University of Utah, and I got my undergraduate in music conducting and, and education. <clears throat> but I wanted to work with people, and I didn't want to be out doing concerts and stuff at night and uh, being away from I wanted to raise a family and have sufficient income to take care of a family. And so and I loved social work. I'd been a chaplain assistant in the army and and that kind of uh, brought me close to the enjoyment of uh, working with people loving people you were an army chaplain Uh uh-huh oh i was and i was fort ord and presidio san francisco i was part of my young life how did you get involved in that i was in the reserve starting when i was 17 years old while i was in high school and uh, went on active duty and uh, before my mission, and so it uh, prepared me a lot for what was ahead, and which was counseling, and uh, so I uh, graduated from University of Utah as a group worker, therapist, and then I went to California uh, back in 1966 to take on a job in a psychiatric hospital where I could learn more about psychiatric social work and I took a lot of courses there in family therapy and became certified in three years study as a family therapist and I was a psychodrama director at the hospital and that's that's a very interesting part of what I did and uh, had some really good supervision there uh, very very active life in the living in the bay area then we moved to colorado to be a little closer to grandma in wyoming and also in in utah uh, the two the two grandmas and uh, so i i uh, took a job at the adams county mental health center in uh, commerce city colorado and lived in boulder then we moved into to a place, town of Arvada. That's mm-hmm. where I met Susan and her family, and that's a whole other story. Uh, and I worked in the school district there as a consultant uh, for mental health, and also uh, worked at the mental health center seeing clients and doing group work. And then I cut the cord in 
from working for an agency in 1960, no, 1974, and uh, developed a part-time job at the University of Denver Graduate School of Social Work as an adjunct mm -hmm. uh, instructor. So I did that while I formed a, an agency in Arvada. And then we wanted to move from Arvada to Longmont to, to raise horses. So we did that and uh, started another office in Longmont. So I kept those two offices going. and. Our family was growing and we got into raising Arabian horses and doing horse shows and holy cow uh, it was it was fun it was uh, I was not a big horseman but my first wife was and so that was her excitement and our oldest daughter uh, loved it so uh, I I did a lot of teaching. I did some traveling around and did some writing and uh, helped develop a, a mental health uh, program for developmentally disabled with a dual diagnosis with mental health psychiatric issues. And so I did a little teaching in the country, around the country in that. So I've been busy. I was very busy, and it was a burnout kind of profession. Yeah, I would think so. So I, I got tired of it after about 40 years. And 40 years it yeah, took you to burn out? Yeah. <laughs> did, did a lot of private practice, a lot of activity in mental health, and the church kept it up. And then they sent you on some mental health missions, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. So you couldn't have been too burned out, I guess. Well, it, working with young missionaries, that's another chapter. We mm -hmm. had them living with us in Colorado for several years. Oh. And we worked with missionaries. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, uh, what has nurtured your testimony most during your adult life? Uh, oh, just consistency and activity in the church, serving in the church, um, family focus on uh, doing the things the prophet tells us, the home evenings, the, the studying together, the going on vacations, being family-centered. Um, what's the question again? Um, what uh, has nurtured your testimony most oh, during what your adult nurtured life? It? Yeah. Living the commandments. Uh, if you're not sure if something's right, try it out and you'll find out it's true. <laughs> and so I've just been around good people. I've had good callings. It's been a very blessed life. So well, blessings come from obedience to the laws, ordinances of the gospel. Very good. Well, what life experiences has caused you most to trust in God? Uh, just a multiplicity of tender mercies. Uh, one after another, I, in times of need, I had a son that died of, uh, of uh, cancer mm. and uh, seeing miracles on behalf of 
family members that have been very sick or some that uh, had some grandchildren that came very close. The one that was born premature, one pound, 15 ounces, and uh, that was a miracle. How old was your son when he died? He was 36. So he left to a really sweet little wife and two two little girls, and it was hard. Yeah. But just uh, life has its downs, but you you hang in there and you come back. Well, very good. Um, so, what do you love most about the Westfield Second Ward? I like. Uh, the friendliness of the people. Um, I'm probably the oldest person in the ward, so it's a little different for me. It's uh, I like the life and vitality of the younger people. It's good to be around children again, and uh, I think uh, Sister Greenhouch and her help to me in some yeah. English English uh, genealogy has been a an answer to prayer. I need to take advantage of her. I just, to me, it's all too confusing. Well, I get guilty because she's so busy. Yeah. And, uh, but she's so willing to help. And, yeah. Well, very good. Well, do you have a favorite calling? Well, I enjoyed high council. I was on two different high councils and enjoyed speaking and uh, working with the Colorado University Ward, the youth, young adults. That was fun. And you were in a young, young adult high council. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And I served in state presidency briefly and two different bishoprics. And I've enjoyed uh, working administratively in in the church. And then, of course, I've done a ton of music callings that I've enjoyed. Well, very good. Do you have a least favorite calling? Uh, I'm not really as good with little children as I am with adults. Mm-hmm. I taught high priests and led high priests and elders quorums. And uh, when I work with children, it's just hard. Yeah. I'm not a real little kid person very much. And uh, what teaching Sunday school is kind of a high anxiety for me right now oh, because really? I study and but I'm trying to figure out how to teach what age do you on teach their right level, now? 13 14 year olds yeah but we love those kids and I love working with my wife she's awesome yeah yeah well, very good so I don't really have a, a, a dislike church calling really um, I like it now that it's there isn't so much stress as there used to be. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, um, if you could send one message a hundred years in the future for your posterity to hear, what would it be? The three L's. Live, live love each other, love living, live your life fully. Uh, enjoy what you do, have joy in your life, and learning, LLL. Learning is never, can never stop. 
keep reading, keep studying, keep keep yourself active. So live, love, and learn, I guess. Uh -huh. huh? I like those. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, is there anything we missed? I think uh, that covers it for you today. You weren't on a game show sure. or anything? Or? <laughs> yeah. I hope that's what you're looking for. <laughs> well, great. Well, you've been a great next-door neighbor, and I appreciate your help with uh, any advice on my lawns. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun to take care of our yards. <laughs> well, great. Well, we're glad you're here in the ward with us. Thank you. Thanks for being here on the podcast.